This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, I want to ask you a question. Have you guys ever sat with your Bible open before you and been stunned? Maybe that's a good adjective. Stunned by the radical difference between the way that you think and the way that Jesus does? Have you ever marveled at the difference between the way that you would do something and the way that you see through the scriptures Jesus showing up in real life with real circumstances and real situations and doing it completely different than what you would have done? I know for myself, no matter how many years that I've known him, there are times when my first thought, my first impression can be completely different than the perspective that my father has about the very situation that I'm peering into. What's my point? My point is that it is so important that as believers, we have our perspective aligned with God's. I remember, um, some of you know my story, I didn't meet the Lord until my late 20s, and I remember, um, and that meant I I lived life pretty pretty wild for, for a couple of decades. But I remember getting my first Bible, and I opened that Bible up, and I went to the Gospels, and I looked at, read some of the stories, and I was like, what? I had no problem diving right into conversation with Jesus from the get-go. And those conversations sounded something like this. Why did you do it that way? Come on, I'm not the only one in the room, right? Let's, like, we're here to be real. We're here to get the word. We're here to encounter God. We're here to worship him, but we're here to leave transformed. Let's be honest, Okay. I opened up the scriptures and I was like, God, I would have, like, why did you do it that way? Why did you say what you said in that circumstance? I would have never, here's, here's the point here, I would have never done that, God. And he's like, I know. Like, in those moments, I was face to face with the reality that I didn't think anything like God did. I didn't see like Jesus saw at all, but he wanted me to, and he wants you to as well. Some of the examples, real practical, some of the examples when, um, when I first dove into the scriptures and I would, let me give an example, let me give a few examples. So one of the examples would have been in my desperation to feel powerful because of a lifetime of being stripped in a sense of all worth, value, like self-worth and value, 
okay, just because of real life circumstances. I wanted to feel powerful. I was desperate to feel powerful. And Jesus would whisper to me, if you want to be powerful, embrace weakness. When, my, when I needed, like when I was in need, when I looked at my checkbook and I was like, hello, we have run out of money and the month is still going. And I needed money to come in. My first thoughts would be, even, I didn't have this language back then, but even the, some of the gifts he's given me were strategy and things are concerned. I would immediately go into, okay, what can I do to move this over here, to move that over here, to make this happen here? And I would hear him say, hey, 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 if you want a game, you've got to give what you've got. I'd read the, the, the Gospels and I would see how he constantly exalted humility. And the, the life that, or the world that I came from, we trampled on that. It was different. He saw things differently than I did. I wanted to experience the fullness of the good things in life because I had known so many things that weren't. And his intimate instruction to me was, if you want the abundance of what I have to offer in life and all of its goodness, goodness, you need to learn how to die to yourself. (laughs) And it wasn't just once. It was every day. Die again. Julie, you can die. And the backdrop of really, really hard circumstances. As I was reading the scriptures and I was like, you keep telling me you want abundance for my life. And he was like, yes. And I'm like, look at this garbage over here. Look at the backdrop. And he's like, I know. We're, we've got, I've got a plan. And I'm like, so bless me. And he goes, so die. <laughs> I know I'm not the only one he has conversations with like this. Find new and creative ways to die to yourself. Get your focus completely off of you. Put it on me and everybody else around you, and you will find the life you're looking for. It is such a different perspective. And it's crucial for us to grab a hold of it. If we're going to walk in the fullness of what we were destined for. So we are in a series that is highlighting the importance of living a sacrificial life. Living a sacrificial life. And today, I want to jump into the book of Matthew with you, and I want to talk about, I want us to see, I want us to peer into a scenario, and I want us to look at Jesus' perspective of serving. So why don't you, because I'm going to use the Passion Translation today, why don't you jump in onto your phones I know they'll come, it'll come up here but behind me, but why don't you jump onto your phones if you have a Bible app and find the Passion Translation and, and or you have a real Passion Translation Bible. Oh, she is amazing, that woman, Wendy Davis. Um, just turn with me, if you have that paper Bible there, when, like Wendy Davis and Julie Stevens right now, turn with me to Matthew chapter 20. We're going to jump in at the 20th verse. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to simply read a handful of scriptures, and I'm going to stop, and I'm going to give you some thoughts about those scriptures regarding a kingdom perspective, 
around this lifestyle of servanthood. And then we're just gonna let Holy Spirit do whatever he wants to do. Does that sound good? All right, amen. Father, thank you for how you've been moving already today and we're excited to see where you're gonna move in the next 20 minutes, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Matthew chapter 20, uh, verses 20 through 28. Let me read them real quick first. So the wife of Zebedee approached Jesus with her sons, James and John, she knelt before him and she asked him for a favor. He said to her, what is it that you want? And she answered, make the decree that these, my sons, will rule with you in your kingdom, one sitting on your right hand and one sitting on your left. Jesus replied, you don't know what you're asking. Then looking into the eyes of James and John, Jesus said, are you prepared to drink from the cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? And are you able to endure the baptism into death that I'm about to endure? And they answered, yes, we are. He replied, you will indeed drink the cup of my suffering and be immersed into my death. But to the ones who sit at that place of highest honor, it's not mine to decide. The father will be the one who chooses them and prepares them. Then the other disciples were, then the other disciples, the 10 other disciples who were listening to all of this, a jealous anger arose among them against the two brothers. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, called them to his side and said, kings and those with great authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects. But this is not your calling. You will lead by a completely different model. The greatest one among you will live as the one who was called to serve others because the greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. Last verse, for even the son of man did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone and to give his life in exchange for the salvation of many. Thank you, God. All right, quick overview. I'm going to break it down again in a couple of verses at a time and just see where Holy Spirit leads us. So quick overview. We've got a mom who comes to Jesus and she's asking for a place of honor and authority for her boys. It's a pretty bold ask, guys. It's a pretty bold ask. But lest we, we dive into unintentionally, lest we fall into a place of judgment or uh, religious thinking, okay? It's a real deal. I want, us to, I want us to think about a couple of things, a couple of thoughts that came to mind as I was going through this. Maybe, just maybe, at the core of it, that mom's ass could have been an authentic cry, cry to see her boys eternally close to Jesus and carrying great spiritual authority, enjoying the honor that she knew that God alone could give. Come on. So instead of a rebuke, Jesus uses it as an opportunity to release his perspective. to everybody around them, to give them a new way of thinking, to invite them into his patterns of thinking. He's about to come in and have them come under the weight of his own mindset. And in so doing, he's gonna introduce them to a kingdom perspective that's very relevant to us today. You guys with me?
There's two things that jump out at me in these, these first few verses. The first one is, is that being with Jesus can make us brave. She didn't get rebuked. It was a bold ask. But she made it. It was a bold ask, but she made it. She knelt in humility. She came before him and asked for a favor, so there was intimacy there. She's kneeling in reverence, but she asks a radically bold ask. But I, I want to remind, I want to suggest that maybe one of the reasons why she did that is because there's something about being in the presence of Jesus that makes us courageous. And so my question right now that I feel Holy Spirit prompting me to ask you is, is there something that you've had on your heart that you've wanted to ask Jesus for? but because you weren't sure how he was going to respond or if it was even okay, like if you were allowed to ask him something like that, you've been holding back. I feel like Holy Spirit wants to encourage all of us today and say, no, no, no. Come, ask me the questions. Have a reverent spirit. Ask me the questions and don't fear a rebuke, right? right like as the first thing, like come. Let's talk some things out. I want to share my perspective with you about whatever it is on your heart. Let's read verses 22 and 23 one more time. Jesus replies to the mom, you don't know what you're asking. Then looking in the eyes of James and John, he says again, are you prepared to drink? Are you prepared to go through the suffering? Are you prepared? This is a baptism unto death. And they, they made, again, a bold, a bold declaration that we know is ridiculous at this point, but we sit here with our Bibles open and we know the full story. But in that moment, they really believed what they were saying. Again, I wanna, I'm, I'm pausing because I know that it's, it can be easy sometimes unintentionally to look at scripture, to be familiar enough to where we're like, how could they think? How could, did they not know? Could they not? And here we are today running through the the hours of our day doing our things, lest we stumble into something that we're not supposed to stumble into. God wants to give us his perspective. There's no rebuke again. That was ridiculous what they answered. But he didn't rebuke them. Instead, he presents the truths regarding the Father and then the truths regarding their future as a means of aligning their thoughts with his perspective. This thing called kingdom perspective is one of the most important things that I believe is on the heart of God for the church in this hour. I love flavor. I love flavor. I wouldn't want to be anybody else. I wouldn't want you guys to be anybody else. I love this house. We got some flavor. 
but I'm telling you that everything inside of me believes that God wants us to get his perspective and that it's going to be of utmost importance as a body of believers globally that we carry the perspective of God as we walk into situations in the earth in the days to come. So this is just an opportunity to grow in that. All right, today, it's just an opportunity. All right, let's keep reading. Um, verse 24, it's the Holy Spirit has a desire to like point something out here. Like if we just went in, well, let me stop. Holy Spirit wants us to catch something here. Uh, verse 24 and 25, I read it before, but again, it's the 10 disciples listening. They're, there's a jealous anger that arose amongst them and Jesus knowing their thoughts. Remember my thought about the, the mom? Maybe he knew what was going on in her heart. Well, verse 25 tells us he already knew the thoughts of everybody in the room. So the, the idea that he could have known her heart, that it could have been a cry of a mom that just wanted to see her kids experiencing something in God that was supernatural, that had eternal value, lasting impact. That, that, like there's some moms in the room. Come on. I know it. You got babies, no matter how old they are. These guys are, you know, in their 20s probably at this point. And that mom is like, Jesus honor, nearness to you, eternally, will you give this to my kids? Like there is a perspective shift that he wants us to see out of this, these, this area of scripture, Holy Spirit, so that we don't miss the very thing that God wants us to hear about servanthood. Nobody was rebuked. The mom wasn't rebuked. The, the James and John weren't rebuked. The disciples the 10 that had anger, uh, uh, jealous anger rising up on the inside of them. Jealous anger, think about that phrase. Jealousy means you have something that I want. So were they necessarily so angry because the, the nerve of, of the other three, like that, that mom and, and, the, and the James and John going to Jesus and, and asking for this thing, the nerve, who, who do they think they are? No, that's not, jealousy is you did something that I wish I did. If Jesus is gonna give authority and honor to anybody, why would it be you guys? Why wouldn't it be me? Come on. Jesus knows what's going on inside of everybody. But there's no rebuke this entire time. All he's doing is make, using it as an opportunity to present a kingdom way of thinking. To present, to transfer the very thought patterns, the mindset as the son of man, God almighty, to transfer it into people so that they could think like him. And out of the overflow of that, live like him. He didn't rebuke anyone. Do you know why? Because you can't repent for wanting to be great. You can't. You can't, as a child of God, you can't repent for having a desire for greatness. God put that on the inside of you. All you can do, all I can do is repent for when we have a wrong perspective of greatness or when we're going after it in a way that isn't God's. You can't repent for wanting to be great. In the kingdom, 
in the kingdom, greatness and servanthood are synonymous. They're one in the same. That's why there's no rebuke. There's only opportunity for a perspective shift. Are you guys following me? Are we good here? Okay. Oh my gosh, I love how intentional Jesus is. He put aside all the ruckus. I mean, just think about this. The mom, the brothers, the 10 who were furious. I mean, like all the things that could have been going on in their minds, you know, like, what about me? What about me? I want to be great. I want to study your right hand. What about me? You know, like that mom, those controlling mothers, (laughs) those moms that always want to control things. We're the disciples. Jesus called us. Honor should be ours. I mean, I can only imagine the things. They're human. I can only imagine the things that were going on in the inside. And Jesus had a recognition of it all. And again, he stepped in and he said, you, in essence, you were made for greatness. You were made for this. But I need to realign your vision. Because in God's economy, servanthood and greatness are the same thing. Today, I want to remind you, I don't know where the phrase is. Uh, the phrase is heart of a servant. Uh, I think that's verse 27. Hold on, guys. In verse 27, can we pull it up again? Verse 27. There it is. Because the greatest honor and authority is reserved for those, uh, the one with the heart of a servant. I want to talk about the heart of a servant. Um, actually, hold on. Let me go back one sec. Thank you, Jesus. No, it's right before it. Let's go to verse 26. You're calling. Let's start with that phrase first. Oh, you're calling. You're calling. You're calling. I want to remind you that you are called to lead. You're calling. You are called to lead. It's a different model than the rest of the world, but you are called to lead because you're a child of God. It's going to look different in its, it's going to look unique in its flavor, right? I mentioned that earlier. It's going to look unique in its flavor and its placement. But all of you, as children of God, have, have a calling on your life to lead. And leadership, from Jesus' perspective, is one who carries the heart of a servant. Verse 27. What we need to do in the realm of leadership is to embrace the way that Jesus is describing. It's a different model than we've been used to, but he said, it's okay. Julie's paraphrase. He says, it's okay. I know you've grown up apart from my way of thinking, but I am fully committed because of love to renew your mindset. I am in it for the whole, I'm I'm in it. I'm all in, Jesus says. I'm all in, and I am going to rewire. Oh, this is a word for somebody. This is a word for me and everybody else in the room. I'm going to rewire the neuropathways of your brain. I, I am so committed. I am so committed to love you into wholeness and to make you what the Father originally ordained you to be, that I am going after your patterns of thinking, and I am going to replace them with my own. He'll use every circumstance, if you let him, to show you what the Father thinks about every situation. 
and then invite you to say yes to adopt that pattern of thinking. There's power on this, guys. There might not be a lot of Shazam today, but there is a lot of power. Now, let's see. What else are we going to talk about? Um, the reality, the truth of what the Father wants. The Father wants the reality of greatness manifesting everywhere off the lives of his kids. Everywhere. Remember? Can't repent for wanting to be great. Only for the, the perspective that you have of it and how you go, go after trying to obtain it. The truth is that the Father desires greatness to be manifested off of my life and off of your life all the time, everywhere you go. But it's only going to come one way. He wants greatness to manifest as you're in your families. He wants greatness to manifest while you're in your workplace. He wants greatness to manifest as you're having coffee with your friends or playing pickleball. He wants greatness, but that comes out of a place of serving. So what does the heart of a servant actually mean? Because if Jesus is telling us that the Father wants us manifesting greatness, but that it only comes through the heart of a servant, then we better make sure we understand a kingdom perspective regarding serving. I don't want to assume that we get it. We want the very perspective of Jesus. So, in God's original intent, I want you to stay with me. We're going to go here. We'll go somewhere for a minute. We have five more minutes. I want to take you on a, on a little, a little, I want to take you into a story. It's a beautiful story. It's your story. It's mine in Jesus. Kingdom perspective regarding serving. Think about Genesis chapter 1. My language is original intent. That was the plan from the beginning. That was the desire of the Father. It was this garden-like setting. He named it Eden, which means delight. In other words, this is the space of great fruitfulness where divinity gets the delight of his heart. Humanity walking naked and without shame unbroken fellowship and continual communion. This was the original intent. But hear me, it was never meant to stay in the garden. There was a mandate that was given. And the mandate was expand. Take it everywhere. Wherever you go, this was meant to cover the whole planet. What was meant to cover the whole planet? Listen. God's desire, the hearts of servants that we are, God's desire from the beginning was that out of the place of oneness, humanity would bring forth his likeness into every place of the planet. It would cover everything. The fall came, which just means a falling away from the original desire of God's heart. And Jesus obviously came to bring restoration. Verse 28, Matthew 20, 28, Jesus restores the separation of humanity, not only from God, but from the dream of God's heart. 
Think about it, guys. It wasn't just a plan. It was a dream that had feelings attached to it on the inside of God Almighty. And when humanity fell, that dream got separated for a time. And Jesus comes on the scene in the greatest act of service humanity has ever known. And he gives his life to restore and bring it back into intimate union again. What is serving from a kingdom perspective? Serving is being or or possessing a, how do I want to say it? Serving from Jesus's perspective, he's the example. So from Jesus's perspective, serving is a volitional act of love. A volitional act of love, empowered out of the place of oneness to see the Father get the dreams of his heart manifesting everywhere we go. Oh, come on, let me say it again. Serving from a kingdom perspective is a volitional act of love empowered out of the place of oneness to see the dreams of God manifesting everywhere. In your family, in your place of business, in in your church community, which is while you're at the grocery store. What does it look like to serve like Jesus? Be intimately connected, uh, Wilson, last Sunday. Intimately connected to God as a friend. Understand that through the finished work of Jesus, you are now one spirit with God Almighty. There is no separation. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. John chapter 15, John chapter 17. He said it again and again. He lived it. He modeled it everywhere he went. I and my father are one. I hear things. I see things. I'm intimately connected with him. And out of that place of seeing and hearing, experiential encounter, I release the perspective of heaven onto the earth and you get to watch me do it. And here's the thing. Because of my greatest act of service and giving my life for everybody, you're going to now be empowered to do it as well. Your way. But you need the perspective of my Father. You need my perspective. I'll give the empowerment. Just cultivate friendship. Cultivate intimacy. It's not about showing up and serving at the front door. Praise God, we need you to serve at the front door and in kids' ministry and anywhere else that God, that God might be highlighting. Because you've got gifts and you've got talents. You've got skill sets. And you might actually, I feel like this is for a business leader, some, in the, maybe the, you're online. But you have, you have skill sets, you have talents, and you've been a really good steward of them. You have maybe gotten to mastery level And God's happy with the stewardship. But he's like, you've got to do something with them. Like, how are you going to serve the dream of my heart in your business? How are you going to serve the dream of my heart through the, the talents I've given you in your career? Are there solutions? Answers to global problems. I actually have this word. I'll share it with somebody later. It's for a business leader in this community. I'm hearing it clearly again. There, some of you, there's answers to global questions. For most of us, there's answers or solutions to real life circumstances and people's 
in lives of the people around us. That he's going to give to you and you're going to serve in such a way that his dream for that person, that friend, that relationship, that circumstance over there, it starts to align with the will of the Father. He gets the dream of his heart on your watch. That's what you're here for. Don't you want to serve like that? Don't you want to serve out of a place of intimacy, deep relational connection to the Father as a friend? And out of that place, everywhere you go, God gets the dream of his heart? That's what you were made for. You were made for greatness, and so was I. Be wise and put your patterns of thinking under the lordship of Jesus's and watch the world around you light up like a ball of glory. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Hey, that's all I have time for today. I did have some more. But, uh, but we have kids that we need to pick up in the back. So if you have children, why don't you go grab them if you haven't already. We're going to make space here, as always, just to continue worshiping the Lord. Thanks for letting me share my thoughts with you today about this area of Scripture. I know that it's in the heart of God, again, to shift our perspective, to align it with His. There's power in the patterns of thinking of God Almighty. So, Lord, even in this moment, as we get ready to just enter back into a place of worshiping you through song and adoration. God, I thank you that you are coming behind me right now in your name and you are sealing all that I shared. That you are bringing new patterns of thinking to my friends. It's going to emerge. And your dreams are going to start to materialize through their lives like never before. It's time. He's breaking through. All glory to him. I bless you guys. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.